0: What a tremendous hymn of the church. It blesses my heart every time we sing that beautiful song. I think I was 12 years old when I first heard it. The new Red Brethren Christ hymnal came out, and our chorister taught that to us at Free Grace. A brand new song, but what a message, what a message. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be sharing a parable, a parable of the talent, And has quite a story, and I trust it will be an impact and a challenge to all of us today in forgiveness. Matthew 18, we're going to pick up there at verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now see... The Jewish law said you should forgive at least three. So Peter thought he was really being generous there. But listen to what Jesus says to him. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, depending on what version you have, uh, it says a little differently there. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him an hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So my heavenly father will also do to each of you from his heart. It does not forgive his brother, his trespasses. Let's pray the Lord's prayer together. And I believe it's going to be there. It is on the screen. You want to follow along. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed is thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Someone has said that one of the most beautiful words in all the world is forgiveness. Forgiveness. In our scripture lesson this morning, Jesus is certainly using graphic examples to show us what it means to forgive or not to forgive. In This story, Matthew is using common day finances that were used in that era. 10,000 talents was an enormous sum of money. One denarius was equal to one day's wage for a common laborer. One talent was worth about 6,000 denarii. And so then, 6,000 talents would be equal to 60 million days' wages. That sum staggers your mind. Now, I understand when Lou was going over this, she thought, huh, is this right? And I guess Jay checked it out, and it, it's true. No, he didn't check it out. Okay. But I think we're accurate there. But it's not necessarily the sum that is important. I think it is to realize the tremendous debt that all of us have been forgiven of. This is what Jesus is trying to point out. Then surely we would forgive our neighbor, those that have done something against us. You know, it's hopeless for any person without the blood of Jesus to make it to heaven. There's no way you can pay your debt. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. It has to be the blood of Jesus. And so I I again say that I believe Jesus wants us to realize here the tremendous debt is being paid for us. And so uh, we're forgiven. Our sins are not held against us any longer. And so, just as we're forgiven, then we in turn need to forgive our fellow man, anyone that has done us ill. I, I, I've been saddened and amazed in speaking to people in my ministry of 25 plus years that would relate to me an incident that happened maybe 15 years before, and they have her so down pat of how they were wrong. Well, that simply tells me if you know that much by heart, you've never forgiven that individual because you've rehashed it over and over. And so God help us that forgiveness would not turn to bitterness. And that just eats away at a person over the years. It's like a disease that only gets worse over time. I've heard it described this way, that bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It just doesn't work that way. And so Jesus knew the importance here of forgiveness for our twofold benefit, first spiritually and then secondly, physically. I believe there are those people that have been, have been hospitalized because of results of unforgiveness and others that even were committed to mental institutions. I think I agree today with one who said forgiveness is the most beautiful word in the English language next to the word love. And so, wouldn't you agree with me that our forgiveness should be in in proportion, certainly, direct proportion to the incredible amount we have been forgiven. I don't think there'd be one person here today that could raise your hand and say no one ever hurt me or said anything that troubled me or did anything against me that shouldn't have been done. We've all experienced that, every one of us. And I, it would be wonderful if we could just realize, well, they're human beings just like us. They make wrong choices, so have we. we failed at one point or another. We've hurt other people, maybe not intentionally, but even maybe it was a misunderstanding. But either way, we must forgive Put any ill will or unkind thoughts behind us and and move on. But how often we seem to replay it in our minds. And I think the devil works there, wanting to keep it fresh. And we need to say, Lord, just cleanse our minds of that. Peter asked the question, which is a logical result of previous set of verses there, verses 15 to 20. And as I said, he thinks he's being very generous saying that seven times maybe but i don't think it matters that much the amount the point is we're not counting let's have an attitude of forgiveness i've i've gone to people and asked them to forgive me if something i did or said and what is their response oh you've been forgiven pastor that's fine i forgot about it that's having the attitude of forgiveness well peter shares here uh, or the story sharing with Peter and others that it that illustrates the Christian duty to forgive. Here's a king, wanted to settle accounts. Uh, that's when they were it came to his discovery. Here was a man that owed him a vast amount of money, a great debt. In reality, life was over for that person. There's no way he could have repaid his debt. Uh, they tell us that the top price for a slave back then was one talent. (laughs) Selling himself and his family would have never paid the debt back. And remember, in the Jewish culture, every 50 years was the year of jubilee in which people were set free. But in this parable, selling the servant, selling his family, could not cancel this debt. Rather, it highlights on the servant's desperate position or plight. What could he do for himself, for his family? All he could do was to beg, beg for and plead for mercy. Look at notice verse 26. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, "Master, have patience with me and I will repay all." With neither resources nor hope, he's he's begging for time and promises, but really it was an impossibility. But in verse 27, his master took pity on him and canceled this indebtedness. The Greek word dalian is meaning for a debt that is a loan. So he saw it as a loss, a bad loan, rather than embezzlement. And so thank God for his sake, this master king showed him mercy and left him go. Now how would you feel if you were that servant? I think you would leave the king's presence rejoicing, praising God. You have a second chance. And as Christians, we should never get over thanking and praising God that our debt has been paid. Our sins are forgiven. And God has given us a new life in Christ. Our night has turned to day. And I thought of John Newton and that old hymn of the church, Amazing Grace. (laughs) I was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, and now I see. Oh, friends, we as believers have every right to rejoice and give praise to the Lord. Yes, his servant, you'd think, should have went out, and if anybody was owed him any, he certainly would have forgave, right? What does he do? Look at verse 28. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. What an appalling attitude. He'd just been forgiven of a life sentence, as it were, for him and his family. And now treats his fellow servant like this, who owes so much less. And yet he treats him worse. Because the king and none in the court grabbed the guy by the throat. I mean, does this fellow think he was something special now that he's forgiven? Someone who's superior to his fellow servants? In truth, his fellow servant owed him a hundred days of wage, where the forgiven man had been forgiven 60 million days of wage. A hopeless predicament. I mean, you think of the other servant barely a comparison in the debt that he owed. Seems trivial. So what does he do? Well, of course, he falls down also on his knees, begs forgiveness and, and wanting another chance that he could pay back, pleading mercy, just as this other man had done maybe 10 minutes before. Does he hear the cries of mercy? No. His heart is stone cold, and he does the unthinkable. He throws his servant friend into debtor's prison. You say, how could he do that after being forgiven of so much? Is it any different when we don't forgive our fellow man? Recently, some of you, along with us, have watched the film I Can Only Imagine. What a story this young man being raised by abusive, drunken father. His mother leaves, can't can't put up with the situation, and so this young man becomes bittered against his dad. Somewhere along the way, he does become a Christian, but he will not forgive his father. The story goes that he came home, and here his father is dying of cancer, and God melts his son's heart to the point where he does forgive his father, and his dad accepts Christ, and they, they have the love situation as he longed for all his life, a loving dad. And it isn't long then until he passes away. But what a story of forgiveness. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to do that. Just this week, I ran across this quote, and I can't recall where I got it, but it says, He that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he must pass. Friends, this parable before us reiterates to us the principle that we must forgive because God has forgiven us. Jesus taught that in the Lord's prayers we shared together in the opening. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. When it comes to Christ in repentance, all of our sins have been forgiven and forgotten forever. Don't allow the devil to bring up past things that are under the blood, you know. They're buried in the deepest sea of forgetfulness. And I I like to, in my mind, I like in a pond. It's buried in the bottom of that pond and there's a big sign there, no fishing. So we've got to remind the devil once in a while. That's taken care of, Satan. Just forget it. Don't fish for it. (laughs) There's been times that um, we've, Went to people, asked for their forgiveness, but maybe they don't want to forgive. But then that's in their hands. See, you've done your part. Praise the Lord for those that say, hey, you're forgiven. And they're living out the attitude, being willing to forgive. I've met people who say, I'll never forgive that person. Well, those are harsh words. But God's help, friends, we all can forgive. I recall from memory a story, and I I want to recall this as clearly as I could. It comes out of South Africa, back uh, the days of apartheid. That was a social and a political policy of a racial segregation and discrimination that was enforced by a white minority government there in South Africa from about 1948 to 1994. For some reason, their whites there felt like they were a superior race. They didn't want to mingle with anyone. Now, unless we get too hard on them, don't forget back in the 60s what was going on in the South in our own country. Terrible things. But the story goes that government soldiers, or sometimes they were just, and I didn't say that right, people that just took the power of law in their own hands. But whoever they were, these men came to a house late at night in the dark, and dragged the father out, dragged the son out, and killed the son right in front of his parents' eyes. Bound the father up and took him away. And here's this dear black lady that is shattered and and grieving and not knowing what's happening. And they say a few days later, they found the body of her husband as well. He was tortured and then killed. But in time, these men were arrested. And now you're in the court. And the judge is there ready to pronounce sentence on this young, one of the youngest men was almost the age of her son. And he turns to the widow. He said, is there anything you want to ask of the court or say, and we'll do whatever you want. She comes to the mic. And she had several of her sisters from the church there and they're praying and trying to encourage her. And she comes to the mic and she asked the judge to spare this young man's life. In fact, she said, Judge, I would like this man to come to my home because I have no husband and I've lost my son. And I have love in my heart that I can share. I want him to come to my home because I have forgiven him. About that moment, he fell to his knees sobbing. He never expected a response like that. And she said, I want him to come to my home every week, that I can be a mother to him, that he can take the place of my dead son. Everybody was crying by that point in the courtroom, and the judge said, so be it. Now try to put yourself in the shoes of that lady. Everything was taken from her, and yet she had the love of God enough in her heart that she could forgive. A Christ-like love that the world knows nothing about. And then I thought something closer home some years ago. Nickel mines. You remember that situation? I think his name was Roberts, a man that had lost uh, either a daughter or a granddaughter, and he was so full of grief that something happened in his mind, and he thought the only way he could get peace was to go to this Amish school and kill innocent children. Now, if you think of a peaceful setting, it's an Amish school. I've been in a few of them, precious little children, and a the teacher, and here to have him come barging in. Terrible story what happened, and many lost their lives that day. But then the Amish parents, some that lost their children, went to the Roberts' home and ministered to his widow. She was a believer. Can you imagine how she must have been feeling? But here comes the parents to tell her, we don't hold anything against you. We forgive, and that went to the national news, and news anchors didn't know what to say. They hardly knew how they could handle something like this. But folks, that is Christian love and forgiveness in real life. I haven't been at that point, but I pray that God would give every one of us the grace it takes to forgive even those very, very difficult situations. This morning... Oh, I, I wanted to share it was as well Then what happened to that servant, he was called back, the king uh, was appalled too, and um, verse 31 said they were grieved and they told the king, when he heard this news he had no patience and no mercy, and he took this man and threw him into the, the place where he would be tormented, and spiritual reality, that's talking about hell. For the unbeliever, there is a hell. It's real. Without Christ, they're going to be there for all eternity, being tormented. Jesus gives that clear picture. You know, we have a loving Heavenly Father, but he's also a God of justice. And he will uh, meet that out to all those that refuse his love and mercy. Hell is a real place. It's not just a story, folks. So no matter what you might hear, modern theologians are trying to play that down. No, the Bible is very clear. It is a real place. And so we each one need to make our salvation sure and real. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And I trust today that we would all have the attitude of forgiveness. In closing...